0: Check, check, check.
1: This is. This is. This is. Life.
0: Life. 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 Life well learned.
1: Life well
2: learned.
0: Life well learned. This is Life Well Learned. Hey, it's Liz Mantel, and on today's episode, we're just going to share stories. Good, heartwarming stories from the pandemic. Sometimes when you're in a situation like a pandemic, it's hard to find silver linings especially if maybe you've been furloughed or you lost your job. It's hard, but sometimes seeing other people's goodwill gestures or going that extra mile gives you that hope to know that we're all going to get through this. We'll all come out on the other side. And maybe it'll motivate a couple of you to be a part of some of these organizations that you hear about or do little things to help out. Maybe we can find that silver lining of this pandemic together. So let's start with our first story.
3: So my name is Evelyn Kessler, and I'm the founder and executive director of International Child Advancement. Our focus is empowering underprivileged children to become self-sufficient, and we do that through education and vocational training.
0: Evelyn's nonprofit helps kids right here in Western New York. But one of their other missions is to help orphans in the Democratic Republic of Congo, and there's a reason for that. So my
3: family's originally from the Democratic Republic of Congo, and um, I had the opportunity to leave right when the war was beginning. You know, I came to the U.S. and I went through the normal progression, right, of what many would call the American dream. You get your your education, your college degree, you get married, you have kids, you you know, you have your career, and so on. But I couldn't stop but think of the children left behind, of all those 4 million-plus orphans in the country and thinking of, okay, how can I play my part? How can we help those orphans and those underprivileged children advance to a future where they can become self-sufficient? I have to continuously rely on other people. So for us, we see our mission as temporarily giving them a hand up, not a hand out, so that in the end, they can get a job or start a business and take care of themselves.
0: The orphanage that International Child Advancement works with 150 orphans right now they're able to send about 57 of them to school but on top of hunger and education they're also now battling coronavirus
3: one thing people have to realize is that the drc was just coming off of the ebola crisis Um, so you had thousands of people that died from that pandemic and then here came coronavirus now i have to say the good thing is that you know, they were in a sense ready and prepared because they had to have all of these things in place when uh, they were tackling Ebola, as far as uh, hand washing, as far as hygiene, as far as you know, isolating those that may have been infected or may be infected or what have you. So they already had that system in place, which which helped them um, deal with now this coronavirus. Because as soon as they saw what was happening they started shutting down the borders and shutting cities down so that people could not travel to different areas like here you know everything's been shut down most things have been shut down of course you have your essential workers and a lot of people here are losing their jobs um thankfully their organizations and assistance is available for food uh, whereas in the congo there is not that much assistance so you have a lot of people who if this goes much longer you know famine will set in so it is a it is quite a dire, dire situation. And we have that at the back of our minds for the kids that we support too.
0: Knowing that those kids really, really needed their help now more than ever. It was a driving force with her and her volunteers.
3: 99% of us work full time. Um, and a lot of them go to school. A lot of them have families. Um, so as they were tackling all of this, they still showed up right, to do their their volunteer work for ICA. Because
0: of their dedication to the cause, they never stopped. They just changed their method. And that was telling the story of why it was important. You know, we canceled our event and I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pour my heart out to our
3: supporters and whoever is able to help us, then,
0: you know, we, we would be extremely grateful. It worked. Evelyn and her volunteers at the International Child Advancement were able to send that money. pay for their tuition and their food as well if that wasn't enough to give you hope for the future it doesn't end there for evelyn her work is always ongoing including in her own community i'm within the canton area and uh, in canton they put together a
3: a group called canton cares and these are just regular folks that came together to to address the food insecurities in the canton area to help families that are in need and it's just been great to see how much that group has grown and how many people are involved in just helping each other out and that's been the beauty of it i've been just so touched to see how people regular folks are just deciding hey what can i do how can i help Uh, for me personally Um, I've been trying to help the small businesses locally as best as I can, if it's a gift card, if it's a, you know, sharing their posts on social media, if you can't give financially, if you can't buy the gift cards, just share their posts, you know, the businesses that, that you know of, the small businesses, um, that helps them tremendously, and Sending cards to essential workers, nurses, doctors that I know that are so stressed out. That's something I've been trying to do with my kids is send some cards out. So those little things, you know, make a big difference.
0: Evelyn herself and her organization just go to show that little things done actually do make a big difference. To learn more about the work that International Child Advancement does in the Democratic Republic of Congo and right here in Western New York, you can go to lifewelllearn.org. All the information you need and how to help can be found there. Our next story brings us back to Western New York. And like the work that Evelyn does to help feed the orphans in the Democratic Republic of Congo, this organization helps feed people here in Western New York. Formerly the Food Bank of Western New York and Meals on Wheels, they now come together and they're known as Feed More Western New York. And as you can imagine, they've been pretty busy. Our next story comes from Catherine Schick.
1: I am the communications director for More Western New York.
0: I think typically when we think of food bank or Feed More, we think of Christmas time, the holidays, when they're asking for donations so people can have a Thanksgiving meal or a Christmas meal. But as many of you probably know, hunger is a year-round problem. Before the pandemic hit, Feedmore More of Western New York was serving over 135,000 individuals within their food bank and Meals on Wheels program. When the pandemic hit, changed everything. Thousands more
1: individuals have been turning to our organization for food assistance. Um, many of them are children uh, who were uh, being served, of course, two square meals a day through their breakfast and lunch program in school. And now we're turning to our organization in, in addition to some of the meal programs that um, schools have been putting in place to help bridge those gaps. Um, a lot of families and individuals who were um, experiencing job disruptions whether that was a furlough, a layoff, a permanent job loss as a result of the pandemic. And then, of course, our homebound aging community members uh, who really uh, were left even more vulnerable and fragile as a result of the virus and needed a way to get nutritious food into their homes. Um, But, you know, trying to limit that contact in the outside world while doing so.
0: With the increase in people now needing their services, that means there is an increase in demand. So how did Western New York respond?
1: On an individual level, and organizational level, Western New York has really stepped up to answer the call. And it's been so inspiring to see so many people, whether that's, you know, a large donation or a single, you know, can of food. Everything really makes a difference. Everything is so greatly appreciated by FeedMore, And of course, the community members that we serve.
0: I asked Catherine if there were certain moments from the past few months that really stuck out. And she said it was really hard to pick one.
1: You just get touched when something that makes seems simple, a simple act to someone, but it really means so much to us in our organization. Even just a, a gentleman pulled up the other day with a, a couple of jars of peanut butter to give us. He was an older gentleman, he saw us uh, on the news saying that we were holding uh, collections for peanut butter and peanut, how peanut butter is such a vital source of protein for our hungry community members. and. Uh, he, he just wanted to give what he could, which was a couple jars. So luckily, we have an amazing city of good neighbors here, an amazing Western New York community who really rallied uh, when this pandemic began affecting us. And we were blown away by the outpouring of support for Feed More Western New York. A lot of people began reaching out to us um, to help us volunteer. They may have themselves been uh, laid off from a job, and, uh, and you know their first thought was, "Well, how?" how can I help give back to the community in my you know, newfound time that I am not reporting to work. Um, we've had a lot of individuals and organizations reach out to us with food donations and monetary donations as well. Um, some people who uh, cannot leave the house to actually donate, um, you know, to us, donate their time through volunteerism, but maybe they wanted to still do something for our organization. So they've, um, you know, made homemade cloth masks to help our volunteers and staff who are on the front lines fighting against hunger, or, you know, made cards for our homebound neighbors who are, you know, uh, even more isolated as a result of the pandemic. So all of those um, ways people have really been giving back to our community and uh helping feed more western new york continue our mission and it's been really wonderful really heartwarming and a real great source of light in these otherwise dark and trying times
0: even if you can't make a monetary donation or even a food donation there are ways you can help from a child turning their birthday parade into a drive-by food collection or as catherine mentioned just making cards there's always something that you can do to help if you want To find out more information how you can help out Feed More Western New York, you can visit lifewelllearned.org. But more importantly, if you yourself need help. We know it can be hard to
1: pick up the phone and uh, say you are in need of some food assistance, but that is exactly what we're here for. We're here to help you. We're going to connect you with the resource that will best fit your needs. And uh, we'll we'll make sure that we uh, get you the nutritious food and the support
0: that you need. Again, you can find all the information you need on how to help feed more Western New York or get help from them at lifewelllearned.org. When we come back, two more stories that will for sure warm your heart. It's next on Life Well Learned. Like many businesses in Western New York, when the pandemic hit, we at Life Will Learn had to adapt as well. We put out episodes directly related to the effects of the pandemic, and one of them was parenting through a pandemic. Parents and teachers and children trying to figure out this new way of education from home. If you have kids at home, you probably realize just how difficult it is, and you're ready to send those kids back to school. But imagine if your child had a disability. And really needed that extra care. That happened here in Western New York, and that's where our next story comes in. It's the Candelation Center, and we're going to talk to their director of communications, Ashley Herzl.
2: Candelation Center for Learning is a nonprofit that serves children um, ages birth through 21 years of age through its preschool, daycare, and uh, school age services, as well as an organization that serves adults with disabilities and people of all abilities through its day habilitation services and employment services.
0: So when the pandemic hit, they had a lot of planning and adapting to do quickly for both students and adults.
2: It's hard for us as adults to understand what's going on right now. So I can't imagine being a kid and trying to navigate this space at this point. Um, but imagine being a kid with a disability who has this routine and structure every single day and all of a sudden it's completely upended and disrupted and you're like, why? Um, and the same goes for adults with disabilities. They're home and they're like, this is my routine. I go to work every day. I volunteer at Meals on Wheels every day. And now, why isn't that happening? But it's amazing to see that the you know people that serve them their direct support professionals, their teachers, are just trying to make sure that they are receiving the best quality of services while they're home.
0: And when it came to the students and their at-home education, the teachers immediately stepped up.
2: From day one, our teachers were like, we gotta have a plan. As soon as this, you know, just the thought of this um, COVID-19, they decided to kind of enact what Google Classroom would look like and have a plan and so the content that the teachers are uploading and therapists every single day is amazing. Videos and worksheets that they can that their families can do with them. And I'm sure there's challenges. I'm sure it's difficult just for like for any parent, you know, doing distance learning. But the response that we're getting from parents and that we've had from parents since the very beginning about the distance learning has been amazing. Uh, Parents are grateful. They're grateful for the therapists working so hard and their teachers working so hard to put that content up. And we are so proud of the students. They're logging
0: in every single day, weekly, to get that content. And like most teachers, they knew that just schoolwork wasn't enough. They needed to do more. Our teachers
2: are really trying to boost the spirits and mental health of the students. They, I just hearing the stories of, you know, a preschool teacher going and delivering Easter candy to her students, or preschoolers, and just seeing their faces and obviously at a distance because right now that's so important to teach, you know, young kids that. Our kindergarten through second grade teachers created these um, signs that say that each student is a hero so that they can have the, have the signs to put on their lawn. Like a, it's a room 220 hero. And it's just those little things during this time to keep people calm, like I said, and just keep people uh, positive throughout all of it.
0: From making sure to deliver extra treats to the young kids, they also wanted to make sure that those seniors had that graduation moment that they had been working for for years. The
2: fact that our high, you know, our high school teachers thought pretty quickly to create those signs and then delivering them to each student and then taking having parents send back photos of each student, just the pride. They're wearing their caps and gowns. No, they're not walking across the stage with their friends and you know, cheering inside a building, maybe that'll happen during the year when we reconvene, but just
0: to see their incredible, happy, smiling faces, they did it. Going above and beyond didn't just stop with their students, it extended with their adult day head program. One of the things that the Cantalitions Center does is help place adults into work situations or even volunteer situations. One of their big partners is Meals on Wheels, now known as Feed More Western New York. When the pandemic hit, there was a severe drop in volunteerism, People didn't know what was safe. And a lot of these adults in Canalition Center are part of the vulnerable population. They could no longer be a part of the volunteer program. But the fear was that if they stopped volunteering, they would lose that slot. Meaning that when the pandemic was over, they wouldn't have their volunteer opportunity to return to the staff at Canalition Center. They weren't gonna let that happen.
2: Our direct support staff kept it going. They were out since the very beginning of the pandemic, masked up and ready to go, and just serving meals to the community just to make sure that that volunteer opportunity that they had worked so hard to obtain just didn't go down in service throughout this. And so it's going to be amazing to see that, you know, the people that come back to day we'll still have that volunteer opportunity available to them but it's just been amazing um, to continue that partnership
0: i think it's a testament to the faculty and staff at the cantalitions center it shows that not only do they go above and beyond but they truly do care about their students and the adults that they work with and i think that can be said for all teachers and education support staff throughout western new york and the country It's definitely been shown through this pandemic that the teachers don't just care about the work that they do, but they truly care about their students. You can learn more about the Canalysian Center and their work and how you can help out at lifeallearned.org. Our last story really drives home the point about what community is and what it means to be part of one. That we go to our last storyteller.
4: My name is Dawn Hogue, and I'm the founder and executive director of Stitch Buffalo.
0: When you hear Stitch Buffalo, you probably assume it has something to do with sewing, but the organization is so much more than that. So
4: Stitch Buffalo is a nonprofit organization that works with local refugee women, and we teach and um, support women in making various kinds of craft projects in the textile arts. Uh, So some women come with some skills, whether they're embroidery or sewing or weaving. Some women come to Stitch Buffalo because they want to be part of the community and they want to learn how to do any of those skills. And they then can choose which products they would like to make and then sell them in our retail shop or our etsy shop and then they are able to make some money uh doing that kind of work with this program being
0: such a big part of these women's lives both socially and financially it was devastating when the pandemic hit
4: we closed on march 14th um and it was really sad i didn't know what we were going to do. Uh, And we got a lot of volunteer opportunities to sew masks, a lot of requests. And I was having a difficult time with that because um, I've always offered to pay the the women on consignment basis for what they have done. And so I didn't jump into it immediately in that way. And I didn't know how to do it safely. That was the other part. And then it was on April 6th. So we closed March 14th. On April 6th, we got a phone call from a company that wanted us to make masks and they were going to pay us. And I said, okay, let me let me think about this. And so what I did is I um, texted all the women that are involved with Stitch Buffalo. And I said, who wants to sew masks from home? Who can do this? Who wants to do this? And I immediately got um, 12 women that said, I want to do this. I have a sewing machine and I can, I can do this from home. And so I I came in the next day. I put together a whole bunch of kits. I developed a driving route um, to drop supplies off to everybody. And that's really how the sewing circle was established. And uh, that was the beginning of the mask making for Stitch Buffalo. And uh, once we started to make the masks and um, posted it on our social media, then the community um, started to place orders for 50 or 100, depending on their organization.
0: Even though Don was able to turn this into a situation where these women could make money for their work, I did ask her what she thought their answer would be if she asked these women to volunteer their time. Would they have said yes? I do.
4: I do. Um, in fact, um, Paula Washta is, is an Afghanistan woman, new to Buffalo. Um, her family came in November and she uh she came to stitch i can't remember exactly when it was but she had made a pattern for the mask and she said i will sew these and i'll sew for free and i said okay this is great we have a pattern we can sew these i said let me let me see if we can um find somebody that wants to buy them. (laughs) So um, she, and she did sew quite a, she sewed, I gave her some fabric and elastic and she sewed a fair amount that she donated to Jericho Road.
0: John also said that it was more than just making masks to to make money or to, to provide for people. It gave them a sense of pride. It gave them a sense of community.
4: It makes them feel included um included in this pandemic in a way that is not only helpful to them but they're being helpful to their community and um it's really beautiful to witness this uh because they have the opportunity to give back they have the opportunity to make some money where their husbands have been laid off and they. They don't have anything, and they have the opportunity to stay busy in this time um, that can be so challenging if you don't really have anything, anything to do. In fact, when there's downtime, they don't like it. When there's a lull in um, my getting supplies out or um, where we're, we've met our orders, uh, they're eager. Like, are you coming today? When are you coming next? You know, because they. Um, they have integrated this into their lives. They mostly work from their kitchens, like the counters and the tables where they're cutting and sewing. And you, I can see how they've integrated it into their life um, in between all the other things that they're doing.
0: From wanting a better life for their family to just wanting to be a part of a community. The volunteers at Stitch Buffalo have not only been able to help facilitate that, but the refugees have really shown what it means to be part of a community. From wanting to volunteer, to donating masks to Jericho Road, to just wanting to continue to help. It really helps tell the story and shows how they already are a part of the City of Good Neighbors. If you want to learn more about Stitch Buffalo and ways to help, head to lifewelllearned.org. I hope that these stories gave you a little hope, that silver lining of this pandemic, Because now that we're in phase two of the reopening, we still have to remember that a lot of people still need help and we're not back to normal. And quite frankly, I don't think we should go back to normal. That implies that we need to go back. We've learned so much through this pandemic about our neighbors and what we can do to help support each other, that we shouldn't look to go back. We should just move forward. And hopefully with these stories, we've helped you do that. If you want to learn more about any of the four people we talked about, International Child Advancement, Feed More of Western New York, Stitch Buffalo, or the Cantillation Center. You can get all the information you need at lifewelllearned.org. Life well Learned is made possible by the Mediall College Alumni Association. I'm Liz Mantell, and we'll see you next time.